Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're just so thankful for what he's done, aren't we? Aren't we thankful for what the Lord has done in our lives? He's done so much. And when we forget what he's done, that's, you know, that's when we start drifting. When we just start getting into our own strength and, and we just, we think that it's, you know, something that we have done and, or something that we're doing, but it's all the Lord. It's the Lord. It's been the Lord. It's him. It's him. It's him. And we just thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We just thank you, Lord. The word says in the book of Psalms, chapter 33, and I'm just going to read here from the New King James, Psalm 33, verse 6 says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. It says, By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made. And it says, And all the hosts of them, by the breath of his mouth. It says that the heavens were made from his mouth. They were made by his word. He just breathed, and the host is referring to the, not just our earth, but everything we can see, the stars and the heavens. He just breathed, and it was. And it says in verse 7 that he gathers the waters of the sea together as a heap, and he lays up the deep in storehouses. God is in control. It's God's earth. It's God's uh, heavens. It's the Lord's. And the devil has been trying to get us, and it's a constant battle to get us to look at this earth through an earthly lens, to get you to live in this life, which is a spirit life. Come on. We are in an earth suit. Do you realize that you're just wearing a suit right now? This suit of earth is coming off one day, that your spirit will live forever. And thank you, Lord, by the blood of Jesus, that all of us in this room, that our spirit will live forever with Jesus. All right, but your spirit lives forever. When the earth suit comes off, many deny him, many don't want him. And it's a heart-wrenching, it's an it's a, uh, unfathomable thought, but many, 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 many. In fact, the word says, few find the way to life. Many go the way of destruction. Many will take this earth suit off and will realize that they've lived for themselves, that they had their eyes on the wrong goals and the wrong things, and that spirit within them will go away from the Lord forever, even when they've denied him and walked on this earth and been in total denial of him. We don't even realize you're still in God's presence, and to be removed from his presence is the greatest hell. It's not really the suffering of hell that you can even, uh, can even uh, fathom as, as the worst thing imaginable, but it's really the separation from God. It's just not fathomable to be completely and utterly separated from he who created us. Even, isn't it interesting that um, those that are adopted and those that were orphaned and those that were abandoned as children even, that there's this desire inside them to want to go find their earthly parents, even if they had 
their, their birth parents, rather, even if they had really great parents on this earth, there's something inside them, like you can't even help it. And I, sometimes I hear stories and they want to go track down like a horrible person, but technically they were their birth parent, but they, and they want a connection with them. And why is that? And it's just this thing inside. It's like programmed into your DNA to want to know the one who birthed you, to want to know God. And even when we deny him, and even when we're not aware of him, we are, he's around us. And we're like, we're in his earth. We're in his presence without even knowing it. And his spirit is constantly calling us. His spirit is around us all the time. And that's an amazing, amazing thing that we know as believers. And unfortunately that the unbeliever does not realize that they have a temporary uh, even a false piece that the devil gives them on this earth with things and stuff and earthly pleasures, but that all those things that the devil's using are, are still God's, and that one day those things will disappear. I didn't really plan on going this direction, but I just needed to be stated of who God is and how great he is and how amazing his miracle really is of Jesus and his blood and it, it, we should never, ever get tired. You should never, ever be like, yeah, 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 that's the gospel. I know that. Now give me the good stuff and give me the deep things and give me all the fun stuff. And we should just be infatuated with the fact that Jesus loves us. We should be infatuated with him because he's infatuated with us. And that should be enough. We should want to know his word just because it's his word and not because of any other reason and not any other gain and not because it'll help us and not because we'll get somewhere through it and not because you'll have a better life with it, but just because of how amazing God is and that he wants to know us for us to want to know him back. And in Psalm 33, and I just, I love this Psalm and I, I'm hoping to go, I'm going to, I'm going to go somewhere today, not hoping I'm going somewhere today and you just are going to get along for this ride with the Holy Spirit. But I just wanted to read these verses just to set some things up here. It says in verse 8, Let all the earth, and I'm still reading in the New King James here, Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. It says, Let the earth fear the Lord. It's not afraid of God. That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the recognition of He's God. Right? It's like fear of a father. If you had a father growing up, there was a fear. You weren't afraid of him, but you knew he was dead. And you knew when he came home and if you were, did some things that were wrong that day, there would be some dealing with you. But at the end of the night, he'd still give you dinner and still kiss you goodnight. And you'd get up the next day and still be in his household. But there was a natural fear in dad's house. Right? We understand that. So that's the fear of the Lord. All right? We're not afraid of God, but there's a respect of God. It's just really just recognizing and understanding he's God. And it says, let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, for he spoke and it was done. And this is really the message today that I want to get to us, is that when God speaks, it's done, it's finished. He commanded, it stood fast. I mean, he spoke and the earth was created. He breathed and everything we see exists. He's God. And it's so elementary for us as believers, and yet it's so elementary that it's so easy to forget. It's like so foundational that we forget it, right? You ever see that show? Um, uh, it's something like, are you smarter than a fifth grader, right? What's the, it's, you guys know the show. I don't remember the exact, but it's something, are you smarter than a fifth grader? Anybody ever seen that show, right? And it's, they bring the parents in, right? 
and, and they bring in adults, and then they have the fifth grader answer questions, and they have adults answer, answer questions. And now the adult has to, has, to, has to have a concept of things that the fifth grader can never understand, like money. Right? Fifth graders have no concept of what money really means. They know how to purchase something, but they don't know what it costs to get that, like a true cost and a, and a true value. Right? So the adult has some wisdom that the fifth grader doesn't, but the fifth grader has all these foundational basics that the adult has forgotten. And that's the point of the show. That all these simple, basic things that the fifth graders got memorized and it's got figured out, and it's really foundational, really, for the rest of your life, we easily forget those things. And so we need to remember the same thing happens for us as believers and his word and the foundational things of his word. Just a simple thought, like God is God. And when God speaks, it's finished. When God says something, it's done. And, it, and the way you know that you've forgotten it is because your faith, start, your faith starts getting a little shaky. We start not really fully trusting God suddenly. We start thinking, how am I going to do such and such? And as soon as we do that, you have started already right then and there to forget of who he is, that he is God. He just speaks and it's done. It's just finished. It says that the Lord, verse 10, brings the counsel of the nations to nothing. He makes the plans of peoples of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Isn't that amazing? Let's just bring, I want to bring up 10 and 11 in the NLT. It says in verse 10, it says the Lord frustrates the plans of, of the nations, and he thwarts all their schemes. In verse 11, but the Lord's plans, everybody say the Lord's plans, stand forever. The Lord frustrates the plans of, this na of, of, of nations, like right, this nation right now has been trying, trying, trying to divide. Anybody aware? I'm not even talking, I'm not talking political, I'm not talking parties, left and right and red and blue. But there is a plan to just divide and destroy. Divide every single thing, just every single topic. There's division. And it's the enemy because you divide and you conquer, right? United we stand. I mean, that's really even our foundation. It's even written on our money. United we stand. And so the enemy has come and he's trying to... He's trying to, but I know, and, and I know that we know in this church, because we've been a praying church, that many of the things that, that have been exposed are because we've been a part of that, right? We're not the only ones. There's been many, 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 many churches across this country and even around this world praying for this country, been praying and praying and praying and pushing back the darkness. And many things have been exposed, right? Many, many evil, evil things have been exposed. And that's been the Lord's doing. It is very clear to us as believers that he's been bringing their plans and with evil intentions behind it to nothing. But he is the one. He is the one. He is the one that establishes. He tears down. He's God. All right? He is God. And I just feel like it needed to be said. It needed to be, to be declared today because it says that blessed, verse 12, is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Who wants us to be blessed? 
And I want you to apply that. And I didn't even mean to make it national today. I had zero intention in my notes or my study to make this national. This the Lord just made it that way this morning so far. I mean, it's right there in the verse, but I was going to make it personal and make it for us as this church. But Holy Spirit obviously has some even bigger things than what I know to say today. And it's that for us personally, for this church and for the nation, if you want to be blessed, you make God your Lord. You don't make God God. You make God your Lord. Whose God is Lord? Come on. What does Lord mean? Why is there two different? All right. It's one thing just to recognize he's God. Lots of people recognize he's God, but they don't fear him. They know he's God, but he's not Lord. Do you know what I mean in this church? Come on, church. We're a mature church here. Do we know what we're talking about? All right. But we call him Lord. We know he's God. We recognize that he's God, and we also call him Lord. What does that mean? That means that, okay, I don't just recognize, but I'm going to listen to what you say. That's Lord. And it says that the people he has chosen as his inheritance, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. It says that verse 13, the Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men from the place of his dwelling. He looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. No king, come on, this is where we're going to go. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety, neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him, on those who hope in his mercy. Isn't God good? Isn't he grace, gracious towards us and filled with love towards us? It is only in trusting God. It is only and fully and completely and utterly being abandoned from your own strength and from yourself and looking to God that you will, first of all, do anything that means anything. And secondly, that will bring God glory and thirdly, that will, and least of all, will give you peace and rest in this life. That's the least. I don't want to do because to get me into a place of rest and to get me into a place of peace. I've been preaching on rest and preaching, preaching on uh, peace and preaching on joy last week. And, and all those, we need to walk in that place, right? We need to enjoy. We need to walk in joy. We need to, have an, to enjoy life. But our ultimate goal is not for those things. That's just like, that's the way we're walking. But our goal is just to please God because he's God. We want to, he needs to be Lord after it's all said and done. And I just found myself when I was, I just had some prayer time with him. And it was just a quick moment of prayer with him, actually. Um, and I just found myself saying, Lord, even if I didn't love you, and even if I didn't have that personal relationship with you, and really that's the only way, 
the spirit to spirit relationship. There is nothing else. And that's what I want. That's what I crave. That's what we need. But even if we didn't have a spirit to spirit relationship with him and, and have that connection with him, I said, Lord, I would still call you Lord. You, you would still be God. I love that we get to be friends with you. I love that we get to have peace and this place with you and rest in you. But I just can't deny you, even when I don't feel you and even I don't know what you're up to. And I don't know what you're up to right now. But you're God. I'm just going to call you Lord again. I have to do that. I have to call you Lord. And it's good to do that, church. It's good for us to do that, just to recognize who he is. Just recognize him again. I want you to turn with me to the book of Chronicles, Second Chronicles. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. I'm going to go to Second Chronicles. I'm going to go to chapter 16. I have my paper Bible up here. Can you believe it? I've had my iPad Bible. It's so easy for me, too. I have all my translations. I have all my notes. It's so simple. And uh, I ended up studying in this, and then I tried to even come up here without it, and I felt like I needed to come up here with it. So I'm just, uh, I'm going to preach from this today, and, and I'm not going to be hyper-spiritual about it, but I think that the Lord had a reason for it today. And uh, it's funny to be just turning the pages here. There's a delay. We don't have delay anymore. There's no more delay. Instantaneous. There's the verse. Nobody has a chance to turn to it because it's all through digital. But when I was growing up in the church, you'd say the verse, and then there was this two-minute pause while everybody, you know, all you hear is the rustling of the pages. And there was barely, it was barely a screen yet. When there was a screen, people were still turning. But I was just seeking the Lord, and, and I... And I came upon, because I already knew the heart of what he wanted to say, which is that, you know, he's for us and he's God and he has a plan for us and he loves us and he's working it all out and, and he works it all together for our good and for his glory and, and all of these thoughts. And I was just seeking him and I was just praising him. And, and then all of a sudden I just heard clear as day, clear as day, I heard one of the kings uh, of Israel, just just heard him in my spirit, Jehoshaphat. And I was like, Lord, I know that I've preached on Jehoshaphat this year. I know I preached on him. And, and so I, I was like, but okay, Lord, um, I'm going to go and just start studying him out and start see seeking uh, what you have. I don't know what you have in this story, but I know his story. But okay, Lord, I'm just going to open it up. And I just want you to you, you do what you want. I'm already willing. You just preach whatever you want. So this is what's funny. I got to tell you guys, because I'm a human being. Are anybody else human here in this church? I'm human. So I'm thinking, well, I already preached on him this year. Not that we can't preach on a character 10 times in a year, but the Bible is a big Bible and there's lots of topics in this Bible and there's lots of things I want to get to. God wants to get to. So for me to go back to a character I've already touched on this year could be repetitive, but not necessarily, but I'm thinking it might be. So I can't help it. I put my Bible down, shuffle through, find the podcast. I'm not telling you which one it is. You guys have to go find it. But I put it on for a few minutes, and this, is, this was just so funny. Man, this is the humor. This is the spirit of the Lord. God's funny, isn't he? Doesn't God have a good sense of humor? In the podcast from last year, 
just about a whole year ago, I said in the first five minutes, sometimes I wish I don't have a podcast. In the podcast, this is my exact words. I said, I just said to Dawn, sometimes I wish I don't have a podcast so I could just listen to the Spirit and just preach on whatever He tells me whenever He tells me and not be worried about what I've preached on that people just listen to or... And, and I said it in the podcast, and that's my thinking. And I was like, Ugh. I just turned it right. I said, okay, Lord. I said, okay. What are, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord God. It was, now that's darn funny to me, that God set me up with my own words a year in advance for thoughts. And so um, just in these next minutes, I just want us, not that you're not paying attention, but just get sharp. Everybody say, I'm getting sharp. I want you to pay attention because the Lord has something really amazing for us this morning. Just very, very quickly, Jehoshaphat, just a quick brush up of who he is. And the reason I went to Psalm 33 is because that's kind of what his story is about. And it's basically a guy who was a righteous guy, right? Everybody remember Israel's kings. You have a good king, you got an evil king. You got a good king, we got an evil king. Then we got a really, really evil king been a really, really, really evil king, you know, like doing pagan witchcraft and, um, and all kinds of literally uh, stuff I can't say in this room and the temples with women and children and, and all kinds of crazy stuff. And then all of a sudden someone comes on the scene who's righteous again and who wants God. And that's Jehoshaphat. He was a man, it says, I love this. It says in chapter 17, Verse 16, he comes on the scene, he's about to, but chapter 7 is prepping for Asa, his father. Chapter 17 says that, verse 3, it says that he walked with the Lord. It says he walked in the former ways of his father David. Everybody say he walked in the former ways. The Lord's bringing us back to the former ways. You know, lots of things got messed up, and things do, right? Come on, things do. Don't get burdened by that. Don't get bound by that. That's the word of God. Things get messed up. The church gets messed up. Come on, the church is not, is not um, uh, excluded from the fact that everything in humanity, if you give it enough time, gets messed up. And it's not a big deal. Don't get frustrated. Don't get burdened, and don't just leave. Just know that God still loves us and still has a plan, and then he'll bring restoration if we'll stand in the gap and begin to pray, begin to seek him again. Amen. And so here's a man that walked in the former ways, and I know that that's what the Lord's doing, even in this not-so-huge church in this no-name area. (laughs) On the map, we don't exist. We're nothing. No one would know our name in the world. And yet God is... Love, loves us so much. He cares about this group of people and this town, this valley so much. And he's bringing restoration and he's trying to get our hearts back to the former ways and getting us off of all the, all the twistings, all the things that the world has crept into the church and messed some things up and brought all kinds of error. But the Lord is bringing it back. And it says that he sought, verse 4, the, he sought the God of his father and he walked in his commandments 
and not according to the acts of Israel. And this, we could translate this 2019, is that he sought God of his father and he walked in the commandments of the word and what Jesus said and what the disciples preached and what the men and women who literally paid as martyrs for us laid down as an example of Christianity and not according to the harlot church of today. You know, we can do that. There can be a harlot church. There can be a harlot nation, and you can be, right? You don't need to judge them. You need to put them down. I'm not naming any names or naming any denominations or any of those things, and that's not my call, and I haven't done that so far, and you won't find me doing that. That's not my job, except to say that it exists and that we don't have to be that, do we? We can stand, we, we can choose to walk in the former ways and we can choose to walk by the word. And the word is not popular anymore. I'm already too wordy. I already have too many. We just, I just passed over the verse limit for a standard Sunday morning. And I have more. But come on, guys. We are people who seek the Lord. We're going to walk in the ways of our Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, thank you, God, in the ways of our Father and in the ways of the example of Jesus. And that's it. And we don't care about any other thing. You know, it wasn't popular and it, and it wasn't good. And even when he's, he's, he chooses to do this, it comes with some opposition. Everybody say there's some opposition. When you choose to walk with the Lord... And I preached this concept a lot, and I've preached it a lot in these, in these years we've been in church. When you choose to truly, come on, if you want to be a wishy-washy Christian, you really don't get a lot of flack. It's actually pretty easy. Who has noticed this? But as soon as you decide, I'm going to put some things down, not because I want to be holy and righteous in my own strength and prove some things to anybody, but when you truly want God and you truly decide, I'm going to follow him. I'm going to, I'm going to place my money in his hands and I'm going to place my relationships in his hands and I'm going to do what he's asked me to do even though nobody does what he's asking him to do. Guess what's going to happen? You're going to have opposition. Who's experienced that? So it's easier for me to preach. Tamisha has. Thank you. So Tamisha, I'll be able to preach to you. Opposition will come. And then you know what needs to happen? We just need to say, God, you're God. He did some things that were pretty amazing. He restored some things. And it says and that he began to, he began to bring good teaching again and and they restored the priests again, and they began to teach the people again of the ways of the Lord. And in verse 10, it says, And the fear of the Lord fell on all the kingdoms of the lands that were around Judah, so they did not make war against Jehoshaphat. So he started setting some things up, and they didn't make, some, make war. And there's this temporary high, right? There's this temporary joy, and there's this temporary place that we come into instantly, right? We have an instant satisfaction in God when we decide to do things right, but that's just till they get some things ready. Come on, they're going to get themselves ready to come at you because the devil doesn't want his people worshiping God. In fact, this week I found myself stumbling, stumbling upon a revelation that spite is really what the devil's doing. That's really his, 
his greatest sin really against God is spite. You ever realize for a human, spite doesn't get you anywhere. All the spite ends up doing is getting you, you know, you think you're going to do something for spite and it just hurts you, costs you. And, in, and, I, and I was just saying this to someone this week that the devil doesn't care about you. He could care less about you. It has nothing even to do with you. He's just being spiteful against God for losing his place in the kingdom. For he stood up, some sort of a pride. God kicked him out of his place. And so you're just collateral damage. The only reason he's fighting you, wants to take you down, is he goes, fine, I'll take down as many of your creation as I can. You're going to kick me out. I'm going to take as many with me as I can. That's it. So don't take it personal. Not that we care. I don't care if he takes it. If I'll be angry at him and I can make it personal, but it's not really even against you. It's just against God. So that means really the war is between God and Satan. This is a God war. This is God's war and it's between God and Satan and you're just in the mix. So I just want to get on the right side. Let's just get on the right side. Let's just get on God's side. Because he can be as spiteful as he want against you, but God's going to win. And especially when we stand in the gap and we stand for God, we're going to expect that he's going to come, but he's going to fail every time. The enemy is going to fail every single time. But you have to stand. So this is what happens. So in verse chap- uh, chapter 18, it just says that, uh, verse 1, that he, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance, and, and God had really blessed him. And then it says that, uh, we can read that it, he was a, he, his heart was after God in 18 and verse 6. He asked to, for the prophet. His, so he didn't just want um, what was convenient and what was easy and what everybody else was saying. And it, there was a voice that, the, that uh, the, all the other prophets were saying. But he's like, I want the prophet of the Lord. I want what the Lord says. I want the Lord's way. And I'm just establishing who this guy was. And then there's a time where he was being pursued and he cries out to the Lord in a, in a battle and the Lord rescues him. So it, we come into chapter 19 and he is continuing to really establish some things and really set up this nation to be a God nation. And he really, what he does is he sends out all these judges and he brings some restoration Really, if we were to translate this to 2019, is that God started setting up uh, throughout the churches, throughout the nation, throughout the land, is not just that his heart was right and that his local, you know, his core was right, but that the churches, I want you to go out now and I want you to start to really establish the original. I want you to reestablish what the word of the Lord is and I want to bring the right judgment and so on. And, And there's some more to it. You can go and read it just for sake of time. I obviously can't read it all. So it brings us into chapter 20. It says, chapter 20, verse one, and everybody read this out loud. It says in chapter 20, verse one, it happened after this. Let's all read that together. It says, it happened after this. And this is what will happen, okay, church? And I, and I feel like we've come into these, and I, am, I don't know why I'm surprised. It doesn't have to be anything that you even notice. Sometimes you, you ever get down, and you don't even know you're actually happy, but why? It's just the opposition from the enemy. Come on, and we've all been there as believers. It's just him trying to oppose you seeking God. It's not necessarily even like the worst situation or circumstances around you. It's just this pressure to try to get you 
in like a down place and it gets you to stop looking at the goodness of God and the love of God and the grace of God and, and his faithfulness and what he's done for you and so on and so on. And so that's what happens says after this, that the people of Moab with the people of Ammon and the others, and so it says the Ammonites and they came to battle against Jehoshaphat. So after he does everything for the Lord, Listen, I'm going to bring a warning to us this morning. When you've been serving the Lord and then the battle comes, don't say, Lord, this is what I get for all that I've done for you. Don't say that. He doesn't say that. But it's funny, as I was reading these verses, I thought, man, how many would say, I just did, I literally just gave everything. And all these, four, all these kings before me, they did nothing. It seems like everything came easy for all these other kings, and they were so opposed to you and so evil, and here I do everything and try to restore this nation, and now I've got to deal with this. And to top it off, this isn't important here. These people are very important because this is who they are. These are his distant cousins, distant family right here. You know, we don't war against flesh and blood. The devil will try to use the church against the church. He'll try to use your loved ones against you. It really doesn't matter. Again, don't take that part personal. It's just a war to take down as many people of God as he can to hurt God. But that's what he does. These were their, these are lots. You know, it's, Abraham, it's Abraham's nephew's great, 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 etc. grandkids, and Esau's great, great, great grandkids. So these are their brothers, you know, we're brothers in the kingdom. And so they come against them. In fact, he, he does tell the Lord, he's like, hey, Lord, you know how you told us not to touch them, couldn't hurt them, and now they're coming at us. What do we do? What do we do, Lord? And I love Jehoshaphat's heart. And hopefully you can just bear with me these next minutes because I had to, is it okay that we had all that prep? I mean, the Lord had lots, there's lots of nuggets in there. It wasn't like that wasn't preaching. That's not just get you set up, but come on. Can we just help me? Just stay with me here for this last bit because this is amazing because I love his heart. It says that when this happened, it says they told him, and it says, the great multitude is coming against you. Come on, we don't need to be told, do we? In the spiritual kingdom, right? In the post-Jesus on the cross, right? We're very aware of the spiritual battle. Nobody even needs to come and tell us, hey, there's a spiritual battle coming against you. You know instantly, right? But anyway, he became aware just as we become aware. And I love what happens in verse 3 because I think it makes it really human here. Even though we don't stay in the human, even though I'm not a human, I'm in a human body. I'm a spirit. Come on, you're a spirit. You're an eternal spirit aligned with Jesus who is actually present tense sitting with Christ right next to the Father. So the word tells us, and I say that so often to you because I really want us to remember that. But we're in a human body, and so it says, and Jehoshaphat feared. Everybody say he feared. Anybody ever been afraid? Even as a Christian? <laughs> Anybody ever gotten into worry and into fear and into anxiety and into all the other things of the flesh as believers? Don't be 
offended at God that you were like, Lord, all this time and all this work on me and all this faithfulness to me and all this grace and all this Holy Spirit work and I still have these issues in me, don't get offended at God that like he hasn't done anything because the human part will be there really until your grave. It's just how quickly you get rid of it, how quickly it either rules over you or you rule over it. And the Bible says with a comma, I love this. It doesn't even give us a period. I love that it's a comma because it's like it was quick. He was afraid, but he knew exactly what to do. Come on. You've been serving the Lord. You've been seeking the Lord. You've been trying to get things right. You're like, Lord, but I'm doing it right. I've been giving you my life and I don't get it. Lord, I'm doing everything right and I still feel so opposed. What's going on? You need to know this is completely normal. This is the Bible right here. This is the Bible. If you are feeling opposition, it's because you've been doing something right. If you feel zero opposition as a believer, I'm not saying it should be all the time because the time of peace comes for him, and i am get to that in the next couple of verses, but if you don't ever feel opposed, it's just something to think about. I'm not going to even finish that sentence, but it says, but they set themselves. He set himself and so does the whole community. They set themselves to seek the Lord. They feared, but I know the answer. I know what to do. And in, the quicker we do this, the quicker we're going to have peace and rest in our lives. After preaching about rest and peace for a month and, and joy last week, he's really just, the Lord's just kind of bringing this to, to kind of a, a finishing point is that you want to get to that place. How quickly do you want to get to that place? If you really want to walk in it, it's not that you will never experience fear and in worry and anxiety and in doubt and, and, and all the other uh, battles of the flesh, but how quickly do you want to get out of that place and get back into a place of peace and in safety and in joy and in hope? And so the answer is that he sought the Lord, proclaimed a fast. And really what that means is he separated himself from the world. That's all that the fast is. It's not that something magical happens when I don't eat something in heaven like, um, like a, a door unlocks in heaven because I don't have food in my stomach, but it's, a, it's a something happening in my spirit because my spirit man is now in control and my flesh is not controlling me. Your flesh is saying I'm hungry and your spirit's saying I don't care what you feel because I'm turning to my Lord. And just by doing that, what we're doing is we're getting out of our flesh and we're getting into the spirit. Come on, church. We need to be out of the flesh and we need to be in the spirit this time. In order to truly call him Lord, Psalm 33, in order we can look at and call him God in our, in our humanity. Your humanity can do that. He says, actually, God says that there's no excuse. There's really no excuse for anyone because he says just creation itself is enough after the judgment day that they should have known that there was God. But to call him Lord, in order to do that, you have to get out of your flesh and into the spirit. We must walk in the spirit. We must be spirit people. And spirit people is not some, you know, like dust and like, you know, some, some fog in this room and some like goosebump feeling. It's literally just, I'm not going to listen to what my flesh says and I'm not going to listen to my emotions and I'm not going to listen to this world and listen to the enemy and I'm not going to listen to even the church if they're not going to preach the gospel. I'm going to choose to listen to the Lord. It doesn't matter what it looks like and how sane it is. 
I don't care how sane it is to the world, if it's the word and if it's what the Lord has said, I'm going to choose to believe it. And when we do that, we cross out of the flesh and into the spirit. Something begins to happen. It says that as they began to do this, they began to pray and they prayed to the Lord and they said, Lord, you know, you promised if we pray that you'll hear us here. And so it says that verse 14, that the spirit of the Lord comes upon a prophet. His name is Jehaziel. It says that the spirit of the Lord came upon him, verse 14. And in verse 15, it says, listen, just like the Lord is saying to us today, listen, no name church of the Hudson Valley. Listen, listen to me, the Lord says, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude. Lord's saying to us right here in this church, and I just, man, I'm so excited to say these words because I feel it from the, from the throne room of God. Do not get in your flesh. Do not worry. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed because of this issue that's in front of you right now. Do not, do not give the enemy any power. Do not give him even just an ounce of hope that he might have you because he doesn't because the battle come on let's say this out loud the battle is not mine but God's the battle is not my battle but God's battle so why do I keep trying to fight it for him and every time that I find myself fighting to get through and struggling, I've forgotten that it's not my battle. This is the Lord's battle. And it seems like total insanity when there's an army facing you to put your sword down. But that's exactly what they do. He says, tomorrow, go down against them. It says, verse 17 you will not need to fight in this battle. You don't need to fight in this battle. There is a battle. Everybody say, there's a battle. There's a battle. That's period. <laughs> there is a battle for your soul. There's a battle for your children's souls. There's a battle for your neighbor's souls. There's a battle for this time that we're in. And the enemy's trying to get you and to get this time, to get this church, to get this valley, to bring a coldness, to bring a heaviness, to try to just bring such a weight of, of just a deadness that we don't die physically, but we're dead in the spirit and we're just existing, but we're not living, especially not living for the Lord. But he says... Position yourself. Everybody say, position yourself. Stand still and see. Everybody stay, say, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. It says, for he is with you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. Tomorrow, go out against them, for the Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. And you do have to stand. You cannot cower to the enemy. You cannot cower 
to those feelings. But you cannot fight them. You need to come to terms with this. And I say this so often as from the pulpit, but I have to tell you, I say it in my own spirit too, and I just said it to the Lord this week. I can't do it. I don't have the strength, and I don't even know how, even if I could do it, to do it. And that's exactly what they say to God. Aren't you glad that when you're going through stuff and when, you, when the Lord says, okay, I want you to preach to the people of what's going on in the time we're in, it's in His Word. And this is a, this is a multi-thousand-year-old story that's just as relevant today as when it was written. Because it says, it says that when they were praying in chapter 20 to Him, it says, verse 12, Oh, our God, we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do. We have no power, and we don't know what to do. And you know the Lord doesn't correct them on that because that's the truth. You don't have any power. And just come to terms with, you don't know what to do. As soon as you do think you have the power and you know what to do, the enemy's already got you. Because it's interesting, I know we don't, I'm way over your time. The Lord's just, if you need to go, I'm not going to keep preaching, but if you need to go, I, I apologize. But just a couple more minutes, his father, this is so interesting because I was preaching in Jehoshaphat and I just happened to flip a couple pages back and I was like, who is his father again? And I read about Asa, his father. His father loved the Lord and actually walked in the ways of the Lord, but some crisis happened and he actually remained, he actually got into his own strength and he never repents from it. He actually even ends up getting sick. And the Bible says instead of turning to the Lord, he just trusted the physicians. Not that you shouldn't go to your doctor, but it says he trusted the physicians and he died. That's what it says about him. And Jehoshaphat comes up as his son. If you try to do it in your own strength, you think you got this, you don't. And I literally said these words without remembering this verse. I was just crying out to the Lord. And I just said, Lord, I don't have the strength and I don't know what to do. And I found myself following it with these words in my own heart. But my eyes are upon you. And that culminated into that prayer with him yesterday. Again, my eyes are on you, your Lord. You're already God. I can't change that. You're going to be God whether I want to call you God or not. You're God. I recognize that, but you're also my Lord. And that's my eyes upon you. And so just quickly, come on, if you know the story, they listen to him. I love this because what do they do? They respond. All he tells them to do is stand. He just says, stand still tomorrow. I just want you to go out there and I want you to stand and I want you to watch what I'm going to do. Come on, the Lord wants you to get up tomorrow and just watch what he's going to do. But do you know it was in their heart to do this? I preached on this. When I preached on this last time, I never picked this point up. And this was so cool. It says that they, 
in verse 18, they bow down, they, you know, they praise him. They're, they're worshiping him. They can't believe, okay, yes, Lord. I mean, they believe. This prophet came and they believe this is the Lord and they worship him. And so the next morning, verse 20, they get up and he says, if you believe in the Lord and, you, and you'll be established, and if you believe his prophets, and that's this prophecy, you're going to prosper. You believe his word, you trust God's word, you trust him, you will prosper, period. That's it. And it says, verse 21, and I'm wrapping up, I promise. But it says, and when he consulted with, his, with the people, he appointed those who should sing to the Lord. The Lord said nothing about standing and singing and worshiping in the next day. This was just in their heart. And I, I preached this point of it because this, this is what this story is so famous for, that they worshiped God instead of, instead of looking at their fears. But this was totally on their, in their own hearts. I never, ever noticed it before. It says that they, they got up and they, he just says, stand and see. I just want you to stand and I want you just to, you know I'm God and just watch what I'm gonna do. And it says that they began to sing, verse 21, and they praised him and the, praised the beauty of his holiness. And they went out before the army and they were singing, praise the Lord. For his mercy endures forever. And it says in verse 22, God did not tell them to sing. Just stand. And out of their heart, come on, when God does, has a revelation in your heart, you don't have to get a strategy that is necessarily written down. You don't have to know, okay, this is what I need to do point by point. Your heart just says, you know what, I can't help but walk out what God has put in me. It just did something supernatural inside me. And you don't even know that it's the strategy of the Lord. You're just like, I'm going to worship the Lord. And it says that when they began, everybody say, when they began, when they began, when they began to sing and to praise that the Lord set ambush, ambushes against the people of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, and had come against you, and they were defeated. At the very moment, the NLT says, at the, at the instant, they begin to sing. And this is just so, I was like, okay, Lord, Lord, you're amazing. God, you're so good. And, the, and actually, they come into this valley called Barakah, and uh, they all fight, all these other armies they end up fighting with each other, right? And they leave behind all these spoils. Come on, you just, listen, if you will get out of the fight and let the Lord do the fight, they're going to end up figuring your fight out for you. Enemy has, if he can't fight, if you won't fight, then he's just going to end up fighting himself. Come on, who has, seen the, who has seen the Lord do this in your life? Be encouraged that he wants to do it again and again and again and again. And then they weren't seeking any blessing. They weren't seek. They just said, Lord, this thing's going to take us out and you're our only hope. And they cry out to him. And the Lord, because when the Lord shows up, the Lord never comes with just a bare minimum miracle, does he? The Lord doesn't, he's not just enough God. He ends up, they weren't even asking for it. They weren't seeking it. They go into the valley to go see what happened. Come on. And it says it took them three days to take home all the gold and the silver and all the spoils that the Lord had for them. And that's not what they were there for. They weren't seeking God for that. It's just because God is good, because you don't deserve it. You, don't, you really have no need. Only need is God. He just is who he is. He loves us. He's compassionate. He's merciful. And he will do for you. And let's just pray. Thank you, God. We thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Lord. 
for your word today. And I thank you, God, that we would be like Jehoshaphat. I pray, Lord, that we would instantly, Lord, we would have commas, Lord, instead of periods, instead of days, instead of months. Lord, there would be a comma that we would seek you quicker, Lord, and, and just fast quicker, Lord, and call upon you quicker. And then, Lord, when the word comes, that we would not be doubtful. Lord, that we would not be skeptical of the word, but when the word comes, that we would say, yes, Lord, I will listen to you, I'll listen to your word, and I'm just going to worship, Lord. I'm going to praise you anyhow. I'm going to glorify you no matter what, and I don't care what it looks like, and if they kill me, then I'm going to stand doing what you told me to do, and I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you're going to do that in this church, and for all those listening, Lord, on that podcast, we thank you, Lord, wherever you're at, we just bless you, and thank you, Lord. I just pray that you'd work in their hearts the same. In the name of Jesus, amen, amen, amen.